When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot, who, of course, uh, still in Arizona for Super Bowl week. Uh, this is another Hey, Mary Kay edition of the podcast. Some questions left over from our Monday pod, but uh, obviously we've got to start with the Super Bowl. And Mary Kay, uh, Monday night marked kind of the first Super Bowl opening night that felt like Super Bowl opening night, probably since before COVID. So... I guess just tell us about it. What what was it like there on Monday night? Well, first of all, I stopped going to opening night a while back because I started arriving at the Super for Super Bowl week around Wednesday and then, you know, staying until Monday and that's enough of a, you know, kind of a long week to expect people to come on Monday and stay till the following Monday. Uh, but this time I really wanted to go to Super Bowl opening night because as you mentioned, um, it's the first one that they've had in a couple of years where it was going to be the traditional crazy opening night of the Super Bowl of, you know, for the media. And I'll tell you what, it was something to behold. I'll tell you, it was insane. They let in a ton of fans into the footprint center here in Phoenix, in downtown Phoenix, which the setup for the Super Bowl here is just phenomenal. You know how Indy is really great for the, uh, for the combine. Phoenix is great for the Super Bowl. I mean, everything is centrally located downtown. Now, the game is out in Glendale, of course, but Phoenix downtown, it's just, you know, the hotels are right here. There's restaurants right here, the convention center, the footprint center. Um, So all I had to do was walk over to the footprint center and, um, you know, and you go in and there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people in there. And at first you're thinking, how am I going to accomplish anything in here, right? Uh, But as it turned out, I mean... I was able to get some things done. I talked to um, both of the Kelsey brothers, got in a couple of questions there. Uh, it's very, very difficult at uh, opening night to get a question in uh, because, you th- you know, like I said, you have thousands and thousands of media members in there all shouting questions at the same person. And it, it's insane. Um, but I, I actually was able to ask those guys some questions. I asked Patrick Mahomes, you may have seen my tweet. I asked Patrick Mahomes about, you know, is he trying to uh, be able to match what Tom Brady has done in terms of winning seven Super Bowls? So I got that question out to him and I was able to get a little video clip of that. Um, I talked to Jonathan Gannon, the uh, defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles who is from St. Ignatius. I talked to Frank Clark, the defensive end for the Kansas City Chiefs, who went to Glenville. So really just trying to keep it as local and as fresh as possible. And again, as I mentioned, I talked to the Kelsey brothers. And um, so it was actually a very productive evening. And, um, you know, and now you kind of follow up on that by going out to the other media availabilities and trying to supplement what you were able to get. 
But the uh, the craziness and the pageantry of the evening, it was really something else. I actually saw Donna Kelsey hand the chocolate chip Tupperwares to her sons, right? Um, so Donna Kelsey, uh, their mom, you know, she was up on the big stage with her double jersey, which Travis said, don't let anybody tell you differently. He's the one that supplied her with that Chiefs-Eagles dual jersey that she had on. Uh, but just lots of fun for those two guys, lots of pageantry for them. And, uh, you know, it's the usual Super Bowl hype going on. Kind of a lot of local connections this year, mm-hmm. uh, like prominent local connections. And it's not like some guy that's, you know, the 53rd man on the roster. and We don't know if he's going to be active. You got the, the Kelsey's, you got Jonathan Gannon, Nick Sirianni played at Mount Union. Uh, so, so, I mean, even he's got like, you know, Ohio ties. Um mm-hmm. A lot of local angles for for Northeast Ohioans here to watch in, in this game. So um, really a lot of interesting stuff there. Yeah, and, and Nick Sirianni not only played for Mount Union, but he also coached at Mount Union. So he kind of, you know, cut his coaching teeth right there, uh, you know, at Mount Union, which is really pretty cool. Um, but to hear Nick Sirianni talk and, you know, to hear John Gannon talk, I mean, you can tell these guys have some sort of like good Midwestern values and the culture that they're, they're instilling in the Eagles. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I've really actually never seen anything quite like it. I mean, these guys to a man, they talk about, you know, just the brotherhood and the love. I mean, there's talk, there's a lot of talk about like how they love each other. And I think that's a major reason why they are here at the Super Bowl, the tight bond that that team has built and the culture that Nick and John and that coaching staff has implemented there. Um, Also, look, another kind of weird tie with Sirianni to Cleveland, I guess, in a way. He broke into the league under Todd Haley, Mm -hmm. who, of course, ended up with the Browns eventually, and uh, also coached under Romeo Cronell. So there's just connections all over the place for – for Nick Sirianni and, and Cleveland and Northeast Ohio. Um, so you, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, getting that question into him. What When we're talking about these quarterbacks, especially a guy like Mahomes, who is just the superstar of superstars right now, really probably the face of the NFL um, at, at this point, What what is that environment like around him, especially on that night when there's just, I mean, let's be honest, there's a lot of people at Super Bowl opening night who are credentialed who, uh, probably shouldn't be, but it just kind of is what it is. Yeah, it, it's insane, Dan. I mean, it's it's really not like what it's like when we, you know, go to work and cover the Browns and we're in the, you know, locker room after the game and everybody's talking football. I mean, the, the, the you know, the, the amount of stuff that goes on on Super Bowl opening night, it's, uh, it's really crazy. I mean, I watched, um, you know, I watched Travis Kelsey do a slime high five and, you know, just things like that. I watched... Jason Kelsey get asked to put on a blindfold and do pin the tail on the donkey. And he graciously did that. Um, but let me tell you a little story, story time with Mary Kay, a little story about um, Patrick Mahomes from the Super Bowl in 2018. I've told this story before on the podcast and elsewhere, um, but I'll, I, I want to tell it again, just because now it really is so apropos. And that is, in 2018, uh, his agent, Chris Cabot, no relation to me. Uh, Chris has two T's on the end of his name, and I only have one. But I've gotten to know him a little bit over the years. And uh, and that year, of course, the Browns had the number 
one overall pick. Actually, it was uh, it was 2017, and um, and then the number one overall pick that year, and Chris Cabot was walking around Radio Row with Patrick Mahomes, and not that many people had Patrick Mahomes in in their sight line at that time as a possible top 10 pick. I mean, there was a lot of question marks about Patrick and how his game, his air raid game would translate to the NFL. And, you know, the Browns weren't really necessarily thinking of him. They weren't thinking about him as the number one overall pick in the draft uh, that year in 2017. They were not thinking like that. Um, In fact, they weren't even really thinking of him at, I don't think at number 12, they had two number one picks that year. But uh, Chris Cabot uh, said, hey, you know, I got, I've got i got Patrick Mahomes here. Of course, I, of course I knew who he was. Um, by that time, we were all thinking, you know, quarterback and really going down that road for the Cleveland Browns. But he said, hey, you know, I've got Patrick here. Would you like to do a little interview with him? So he walks Patrick. I was like, sure, I'll do that. Um, you know, Browns have the number one overall pick, the number 12 pick. Why not? So uh, you know, I, I got to stand there just doing this little, me and my phone, my iPhone, you know, taking video myself as I talked to Patrick doing this interview with him. I was going to see if I could find that again today. Um, but, you know, it, it was just kind of funny because it's kind of like I knew him when, you know, at that point they needed to, they were hoping some people might want to interview him on Radio Row, right? I mean, it it was just so funny. And now to fast forward and to see that he is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time to the point where I asked him, might you be able to, to catch Tom Brady someday? To even be able to ask that question tells you what category and what class he is in. But it's just so funny to look back on that moment. It's just a moment in time where nobody knew what this young man was going to be all about and what a treat and a joy it's been to watch him since then. Yeah, there's a lot of regret in that draft here as Patrick Mahomes is about to play in his uh, third Super Bowl. Um, You look at these teams that passed on him, uh, obviously the Browns, the Bears, the 49ers, the Jaguars, the Titans, the Jets, uh, the Chargers, the Panthers, the Bengals. Buffalo traded the pick that that became Mahomes. Um, there's maybe only two of those teams that if you if you gave them a do over, they uh, they would they would certainly take Patrick Mahomes. Um, there are two of those teams that wouldn't take Patrick Mahomes, and even then, I could make the case that eh, maybe the Chargers should have just taken him, or the Bills should have just stayed there and taken him. Um, and certainly, the Browns had, had their opportunities to take him. So, uh, a lot of regret from that draft here as Patrick Mahomes starts to put him, I mean, he's going to break every record that Tom Brady sets. I'd imagine. Um, I, I know the, the longevity is going to help Brady maybe hang on to some of those, but the, you know, as long as he's in that system and playing at a high level and, and we've seen him even struggle, you know, with his ankle and not being as mobile as, as he usually is, he still isn't, is really effective. So um, he seems like a guy that's going to, that is going to age pretty well. It just kind of depends how long he wants to play. Yeah. And you know what, Dan, when I look back to that draft, okay, when I look back to that draft, you know, as, as I mentioned, the Browns had the number 12 overall pick. And as we know, of course, they traded out of that pick. They traded down with Houston. Houston takes Deshaun Watson there at number 12. But the key thing about this 
is that the reason why the Chiefs were told they needed to get up ahead of the Browns at number 12 is because they were kind of informed that, you know, there's a good chance there, there at least is a chance that the Cleveland Browns can take Patrick at number 12. Okay. I mean, basically his agents told the Chiefs that he's not going to get past number 12. He probably won't. Now, the truth of the matter is, I don't think they would have taken him at number 12. I've come to, to find out in, in a lot of my interviewing that, that they wouldn't have taken him there either. And we know, you know, I mean, like, I, I just, I'm almost positive they would not have done it. They might have had a discussion about it, but they were not thinking Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson there. And I mean, we know that because obviously they traded out of it and let Deshaun Watson go to the Texans, but they could have traded up. They could have traded up to number 10 with the Bills and taken Patrick Mahomes. It would not have been that hard for them to do that. And they could have come out of that draft with Miles Garrett and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, can you can you even fathom that? So it's not that just that they passed on him at number one, which I still think that they should have known who he was at number one. I mean, it's, that's their job. You've got the number one pick in the draft. You need to take the generational quarterback that's there. I, I don't give them a pass for that. But, I mean, I've written about this too, that, I mean, they – at that time, they were not all on the same page. Hugh Jackson was there. Sashi Brown was there. They did not, they were not on the same page. And there was just no consensus in the organization about quarterbacks at that time. And they, they, nobody was really sure what Patrick was going to be. They didn't want to screw up the first round pick. They really believed they had Mitch Trubisky as their number one quarterback on the board. They really believed that Miles Garrett was going to be a generational talent. And he's turned out to be a future Hall of Famer, probably. Um, so it wasn't, that certainly wasn't a bad pick, but they could have had Miles and Patrick had they really, really been locked in and plugged into the, uh, to the whole quarterback situation. And, uh, and like you said, a lot of, a lot of regret to go around in that draft. And, um, you know, the, the stories will, will continue to flow from that t- very pivotal 2017 draft. Yeah, and I know it's still a sore subject for Bears fans. Um, it should be a sore subject for 49ers fans. Could you imagine Patrick Mahomes there? Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, that, that draft is, uh, even if it wasn't Mahomes, even if they would have just stuck at 12 and taken Deshaun Watson, Sashi Brown would probably still be the GM of this football team. Mm-hmm. But uh, they didn't. They screwed it up. <laughs> and uh, they had to give up $230 million and a bunch of draft picks to, to make up for it. And we'll see how that, that ends up working out. Okay, we're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to get to some Hey Mary Kay questions uh, left over from our Monday podcast. And welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. And Mary Kay, of course, in Arizona for Super Bowl week. And so... I actually really liked this. This actually wasn't a question directly to in response to our Hey MK text, but um, I saw the comment as, as I was going through some text responses the other day. And I actually thought it was an interesting point because I've noticed this too. Uh, it comes from the 904 area code. The NFL commentators in other cities, and I would add on a national level, seem to pretty much totally disregard Deshaun Watson when they talk about the top AFC quarterbacks over the next few years. 
We Clevelanders are the only ones who think he is still elite or potentially so. Just interesting to see the perspective of others who are perhaps not looking at the situation with rose-colored glasses. And I just found it interesting because I've noticed that as well. And I have I have mm-hmm. some theories as to why Deshaun Watson isn't mentioned. They're probably pretty obvious. But I do notice like when people talk about potential top quarterbacks in the AFC, Watson's name does not come up at this point. Um, why, why do you think that is? You know, I've noticed it too. And it is bizarre. It's like people think he's forgotten how to play football. And nobody on the national scene seems to believe that he is the player that he was in 2020 that led the NFL in passing yards. You know, it's almost like a, what have you done for me lately league, right? And what have we watched the past two years? We've watched Joe Burrow light it up and we've watched Josh Allen and we've watched Patrick Mahomes and we've watched a couple other new young quarterbacks come onto the scene. We're watching Jalen Hurts this year, um, Justin Herbert. So, People have forgotten about Deshaun Watson, for one. And then for two, of course, uh, because of all of his off-the-field issues and off-the-field struggles, it really almost seems like it's taboo to tout him or to talk about his football skills and his football prowess. People don't want to touch it. And uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. I really do. People don't want to praise him. People don't want to give him the benefit of the doubt. And, um, and, and I, I just think that it's just has so much to do, uh, with, you know, with his off the field issues. Yeah, that was, that was my leading theory. Like they don't have to talk about Deshaun Watson. So like, why would you, I mean, I, I, I've thought like if Deshaun Watson had gone to Atlanta instead of Cleveland, would I even mention him in that? in that same breath as like Joe Burrow and Mahomes and, and whatever, or, you know, would I kind of just ignore it? And if he ends up being that player again, great. We'll talk about him then. Um, and also, you know, how, I, I don't think it's unfair. I, I think it's okay to say like, he was a great quarterback in 2020 and that skill set is still there, but like, I've, I've got to see it before we can put you in the same breath as Patrick Mahomes, who, like I said, is playing in his third Super Bowl here and Joe Burrow, who's gone to back-to-back AFC championship games. And like, you know, he, he didn't look like that guy in the final six games or anything close to it. So part of it is he kind of has to earn it back a little bit. Yes, he definitely does. He's got to earn it back. And I think he knows that. I think he knows that he has to earn back his football reputation his off the field reputation. He's got plenty of work to do there. Uh, there are, you know, there are a number of fans that I know that that really don't want to have anything, you know, to do with the Browns with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. It's just the reality of the situation that the Browns and their fans and everyone else has to deal with. Um, but I do know this about Deshaun. He has the work ethic. He plans to, to do everything he can uh, to put himself back on the map. And, of course, he's working very hard off the field, too. We know that. He has to. He has no choice. Um, but he is working very, very hard to restore his football name as well. And um, it won't be for lack of trying. He is a, he's meticulous in his, his practice habits and his workout habits. And, and, you know, if there's anything that he can possibly do 
to get back into that conversation, to be that winning quarterback, the one that the Browns paid the $230 million to and gave up all these draft picks for, he will do it. And he has to be in that conversation for this to be a success, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess, I guess the Browns could find a way to win if he's like, not quite that level, but if you're going to give up that much and pay him $230 million, you're basically saying, we believe he is like that guy. He is a top five quarterback. So for this to ultimately be a success, the Browns have to win, but also you, you would hope that he would also play at that high of a level because you're, you're bringing him in because if you ever do have to go to Arrowhead for a, an AFC championship game, you want to believe in the guy you have under center. Absolutely. 100%. And yes, you know, that is the whole entire reason why they went out and they got themselves Deshaun Watson. Because, you know, you take one look at the landscape, the quarterback landscape. How are you going to win a Super Bowl in the Patrick Mahomes era? How are you going to do it? <laughs> right? I mean, it's it's going to be extremely difficult. Not just the Patrick Mahomes era, but if for some reason he stumbles and doesn't make the Super Bowl, then you've got Joe Burrow to deal with like you did last year, or then you're going to have Josh Allen. So this is just an incredible time to be playing quarterback, especially in the AFC. And the Browns knew. They knew what they needed to do. Um, They knew that they were going to have to have one of those kind of guys. And where do you get them? You know, you can't sit around and wait you know, for a, a, a rookie, you know, you just, you can't do it. You got to go grab your guy. And that's, that's what they did. And again, we all know that it came with a credible, an incredible amount of controversy an incredible amount of baggage, but that's the thinking. That was the thinking. There is no way they are going to get past these quarterbacks and get into the Super Bowl without a good quarterback like that. And, you know, it's, it's so, let's just go back to the Mahomes discussion. It, it's really kind of funny to think about like what it has taken for teams to get by Mahomes. And, and we've, we talked about this in 2020. I, I think it was like the headline of our post game podcast. Like, did the Browns miss an opportunity because they, they ran into a game when Mahomes didn't play the last 20 minutes? And it's like, and you didn't, you didn't beat him. And then, you know, your franchise went this direction and he and his franchise continued to, to win. Um, you know, the Bengals last year, they got by him and then they didn't win the Super Bowl. And then this year they couldn't get by him. It's like, it is more and more, it's just becoming without feeling like a prisoner of the moment more and more. It really is just feeling like this guy is the new Brady in some ways. Like you've got to plan, you've got to figure out how to get past Patrick Mahomes. That's, that's number one. And then everything else kind of comes after that. Yeah. And, and I mean, think about it, you know, the Bengals needed some luck for it to happen last year. Right. I mean, they, they really needed some luck at the end of the, uh, the, the AFC championship game for, for that. Even, like if Andy Reid just calls a normal play at the end of the first half, maybe maybe the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl in that game. It was there was so so many weird things that changed the momentum of that game. I know, and and I'll tell you what, um, you know, it's the same thing with Josh Allen. When you think about it, how good is Josh Allen? And he is going to struggle to get to the Super Bowl. 
And if Josh Allen had played in a non-Patrick Mahomes era, it's almost like the, it's like the Tom Tom Brady in the AFC era. You know, who's going to get past Tom Brady? It's it's really really hard. And um, you know, who who knows if Josh Allen is going to be able to live up to his potential as a Super Bowl winner when he's got Pat Mahomes in the way, and it's going to be quite the duel for for Joe Burrow over the years. And of course, now, um, now Deshaun Watson is Deshaun going to be able to do it? Deshaun is landing in the in the AFC at a time when, uh, you know, good luck, good luck to you because everything has to go right, and you have to have an incredibly talented team. And that's why I keep saying that he needs more talent around him, and that you know that's why I pick the receiver over the defensive tackle and the receiver over the defensive end, because he needs some magic to happen on that side of the ball. Like he's got to have his, you know, he's got to have his Travis Kelsey. Now I'm sure that David Njoku will continue to get better, but he's, he's got to have a couple of guys that are just going to go out there and, and help him pull this team to the top and pull this team through a divisional round and through an AFC championship game. I mean, it, it's going to be so hard and you have to have a good defense too. That's what you're seeing uh, in this Super Bowl. These teams figured out that gone are the days when you can just fling it around and not have a good defense too. You have to have a good defense and primarily you have to have good defensive linemen. I think, I mean, when you're looking at the, the Chris Jones and the, you know, and the Frank Clarks and, and these kind of guys. And, and then, and you're looking at the, uh, you know, the defensive linemen that the Philadelphia Eagles have with, I think it's four guys possibly with double digit sacks or four guys with a lot of sacks. Uh, they led the NFL with 70 sacks. When, when you have that going on, you know, that's what it's going to take. You've got to be equally balanced now offense and defense. So the Browns have to keep adding to the pile if they want to get there, because guess what? Somebody's got to solve Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. Somebody's going to have to stop Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase in the playoffs. Somebody's going to have to deal with Josh Allen in the playoffs. And um, you know, you cannot let your foot up off that gas at all. I mean, they've got to go hard this off season. They've got to find money to spend on some really good defensive linemen that can disrupt the football game. And then once again, they've got to add some really good offensive players that can, that can help Deshaun Watson score a boatload of points and get them where they need to go. Okay. This next question, this is sort of a weird one to use because it was complete sarcasm from this, uh, from this texter who probably never expected this to get read uh, on the pod, but I think it opens up an interesting discussion um, with, you know, we're going to see Nick Sirianni this weekend and he's very dynamic on the sideline. He runs up and down and he mugs for the cameras and um, he's a very emotional head coach. And, you know, Andy Reed has a show always shows a ton of personality, but uh, Michael Sorrow says, Hey, Mary Kay, wouldn't a wax figure of Vince Lombardi on the sideline motivate the Browns better than the wax figure we have on the sidelines now? And here's the reason I asked that question. Like, does it matter? I I know it's like one of those things that fans will latch on to because it's so visible. But Kevin is very even keel. It's who he is. Um, 
He doesn't give us a ton of personality. Um, but th- does that actually matter in in the long run? You know what? I, I'm going to say no, just because um, just because I I've watched Bill Belichick over the years for so many years be exactly who he is. I think you have to be yourself. Uh, I think what matters is the culture and the chemistry of the football team and the leadership that is instilled on the football team. That's what I think matters. I remember um, that asking Mike Singletary about that one year. Uh, one off season where I got the opportunity to interview him. And I asked him, what's the difference between making it to the Super Bowl and not? And he said, the leadership on the team. And I do believe that you have to have all these guys pulled together and working together. And if, if Kevin and his coaching staff can instill that in this football team, and there's work to do in that regard, I believe there's work to do. Uh, but if they can get that done, then I 100 um, percent believe that, you know, that's what they need more so than anything. I think a coach can be a little bit stoic. I think a coach can be a little bit of a flatliner, uh, but it's what they create. It's what rises up around them. Now, when I, when I see an Andy Reid and I see a, a Nick Sirianni, they have a lot of warmth. They have, they've, they've got a lot of warmth and players want to run through a wall with them, for them. And, you know, there, there seems to be something to be said for that. But then Bill Belichick blows that whole argument right out the, out of the water because he's not warm, you know, I mean, he's not warm at all. Uh, but he knew how to create a culture. And I, I do think that that's the most important thing. Yeah, I think, you know, once again, it's sort of, you know, it's something you see on game days. And I think as a fan, sometimes you want the coach to, like, express what you're feeling if, if things aren't going well or um and fans sometimes love that when a coach is fiery and pumped up and yelling and screaming but you know you're right that's one that's just not who kevin is and two i i mean i think we've seen fiery guys before and they don't sometimes they work and sometimes they don't <laughs> you know it's there's there's just more to it than your demeanor on the sideline and your demeanor in press conferences. And there are, there are certainly fair criticisms of Kevin Stefanski and he still has to prove he's the coach that can lead this team to a Super Bowl. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, there's, there's nothing to criticize about him, but I think that stuff is just sort of, I think it's kind of low hanging fruit, honestly. And I, and I don't know how relevant it is to him being a, a successful coach or not. Yeah, I mean, I think we'd have to go back and look over, you know, all the the different Super Bowl winners. And I think you'll find all different kinds of styles. There will be common denominators and at least and they're different in different eras, too. Right. I mean, like right now, explosive passing is the thing. And, you know, mobile quarterbacks are uh, very helpful in today's game. I think that is having something to do with the success of, of some of the teams lately. Um, not all of them, but a fair amount of them. Um, you know, like I said, I think the leadership is big. I think a defensive line that can wreak havoc on a quarterback is important right now. Um, but I, I, I can't say that there's a certain style of coach that has to be standing over there on the sidelines. Yeah, it's, it's varied. I mean, you've got, I'm just looking here, you know, just through some, you've got Obviously, you've got a lot of Bill Belichick in there, right? You've got right. Sean McVay, who's super fiery. You know, Andy Reid is not like fiery. He's just 
you know, he's certainly not a statue over there. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy <laughs> won a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Tony Dungy, like it, it's all shapes and sizes, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, I don't think there's one way or another to do it. I, I think, you know, again, I think there's fair criticisms of Kevin, but I, I just, that's not the thing that stands out to me is like, well, this is why he can't win a Super Bowl with this team. Yeah. I mean, let's see what he can do. Um, you know, now that he has an elite quarterback, let's see what he can do. Let's see what he's got. Let's see what he's got as a play caller. Let's see what he's got as a head coach. Now, one thing that's interesting is that Nick Sirianni did give up the play calling. And I, I would like to explore that over the next couple of days if I can. But once again, like I said, you can't get, it's very hard to get a question in edgewise here. Um, but, you know, I think that's interesting. Um, I still maintain, let Kevin Stefanski see what he can do with Deshaun before he gives it up. Unless he finds somebody that we all know and he knows that everyone knows is way better than him at the job. If he found that person, then by all means, give it up and go be the CEO coach and do all of the other stuff and oversee everything. But right now, I don't think he necessarily feels that's the case. And I think the organization wants to see what he can do uh, with Deshaun Watson. So, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll have to see how it goes. But they don't have a lot of time for to come up the learning curve. They've, it's got to go well fast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I agree with that. Um, all right. Last question here. I thought this one was interesting. Um, this comes from Paul Kuchik and Wake Forest. Uh, hold on. I got to find it here. Actually, no, I'm sorry. This is from Tom in Middlebury, Connecticut. Sorry, Paul. Didn't mean to uh, fake you out there. Uh, Tom, one of the people who said that he thinks Ashley's dodgeball team was the winner. So he's wrong on that front. But hey, Mary Kay, <laughs> how many Browns other than the pro bowlers would realistically see the field with the Chiefs or the Eagles? And I'm, I'm trying to think like, let's let's do it this way. Let's let's adjust his question here. Which players on the Browns roster do you think like the Chiefs or Eagles would say, yes, we want that guy? And we can include, let's just include the Pro Bowlers in this. Like, who are the guys that are like, yeah, if we could get our hands on that guy, we'd, we'd take him on our roster to play on Sunday. Yeah, put, you know, put, of course, put the Pro Bowlers on there. And then I think you've got to put Amari Cooper on there. He did not make the Pro Bowl this year. Uh, but I think that Amari Cooper has the talent and the ability to play for a Super Bowl team and he's he's right up there uh with you know with any of the really great receivers in the NFL so you would put him on there um from a defensive back standpoint right now I would put Denzel up there I mean he's he's one of the you know he did not grade out well uh in 2022 and will be looking to have probably a better season in 2023 but he is still a pro bowl caliber quarterback cornerback uh, so I would I would put him in there. Um, let's see from a offensive standpoint. I think you could I think you could put David Njoku in there. I think he's um, I think he is you know right below maybe a, a Dallas Goddard right at, at yeah. I mean I think China. I think he could be a number two on on yeah. either of these teams for sure. Right, right. He's got the talent to be there. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think that pretty much covers it right now. I mean, you've got other guys that you are expecting to get to that level, like JOK, right? 
JOK and Greg Newsom and Grant Delpit. Um, you know, this would be a pivotal year for those guys to step up into those kind of roles, but, um, but they certainly have the potential. I do. I do think it is telling that there are, you know, a few guys that would just be absolute, like, no, like if I said to either team, you can have Miles Garrett this week, they wouldn't blink. Even with the dislocated right. toe, they, they take him. Um, Nick right. Chubb, both teams would, would certainly take him um, in a heartbeat. Uh, you know, even the O-linemen, even though the Eagles have a great O-line and the Chiefs really improved, I'm sure nobody's going to say no to Joel Batonio on their uh, right. on their offensive line. So, again, right. there is there are guys on this roster who are really good and belong on championship-level rosters. It's just you, you – as Amari Cooper said at the end of the year, it's, it's more than just talent. There's a lot of talented rosters, but mm-hmm. um, it's really hard to, to get to where you are right now. Yes, it, it really, really is. And, uh, and you can see why these two teams are here. They are doing so many things right. And, uh, and it makes a difference. It's, it starts from the top on down and you've got to get the little things right. You have to get all of the little things right along the way. And, um, and so, yeah, let's, it's a pivotal year for them in 2023 because you don't spend that kind of money, as I've mentioned before so many times, $46 million a year on a quarterback like that, not to get somewhere big. So they already, there's already one fifth of those years off the books. They didn't get anywhere in 2022. You can't waste 2023 like they did last year. Well, and on top of that, it's, they've, they obviously have the quarterback that they paid. They mm-hmm. extended Miles Garrett. They extended Denzel Ward. They extended Jack Conklin. And jo- mm-hmm. I mean, they've put this roster into like go win now phase. This isn't mm-hmm. like we got a bunch of guys on cost control deals. We there are some expensive guys on this roster. Um, they've mm-hmm. done a good job of avoiding like the guys stuck in the middle. It's either you make a ton of money or you're on a rookie deal. But mm-hmm. you started paying guys, so now you now you have to go win. The window is now. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, think about this. I was just writing as, oh, when I wrote about Miles feeling like telling everyone that he's good with the dislocated toe, uh, I wrote a phrase in there where I said, heading into his seventh NFL season. I mean, first of all, that blows my mind because I remember sitting with him as a rookie and him at that point thinking that he would probably play for 10 years, about 10 years and then be done. He's heading into season number seven already. How did that happen? How did that happen? Your kids were like babies when he came into the league, uh, almost. But you know what I mean? Like, it goes so incredibly fast. These guys are not going to be in the prime of their career very much longer. The window is about three more years for this particular crew. So... They got to hurry up and get it done. Yeah, I was coaching like fourth grade basketball when Miles (laughs) came into the league. And now the kid I was coaching has his temps. So, yes, it's uh, (laughs) it goes fast. I don't like it. I know. I mean, it goes it goes fast. Joe Thomas, right? That's we'll we'll find out about that on Thursday. Like, (laughs) yes, his whole career and now Hall of Fame eligibility. It goes fast. I know. I mean, and re- remember when he retired and we were all thinking, I was thinking to myself, wow, five years from now, it, I could have been saying a hundred years from now, I'll get to vote on him in the Hall of Fame. And 
here, here it is. It's like I blinked and it was time to vote on Joe. I was like, really? That's this year? Didn't it seem like it just came around so fast? Yeah, I was, I wasn't ready for it. That's right. I, I mean, I'm still not ready for it and it's two days away. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it's unbelievable. But anyway, so yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of really good storylines out here. There's a lot of good energy and, uh, and it's, it's a cool experience. Okay. Well, there we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Tuesday. Those questions came from our Football Insider subscribers, cleveland.com slash Browns and Blue Banner at the top of the page. And of course, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mary Kay, I will talk to you later. Sounds great. Sounds great.